I'm William Jess Laird. This is Image Culture. Today I'm talking with the artist Tunji Adeni Jones, whose paintings address the ancient history of West Africa and its associated mythology. Born and raised in England to Nigerian parents, Tunji studied art at Oxford University before moving to the United States to pursue his MFA at Yale, an experience that he describes as a culture shock and which had an immediate and profound effect on his work. It was in the U.S. that he was first exposed to painters like Bob Thompson, Barclay Hendricks, and Carrie James Marshall, whose influence you can feel in his work right alongside British painters like Lucian Freud and David Hockney. We spend a lot of time talking about the differences between British and American painting, especially when it comes to representations of the black body. His recent solo show, Flash of the Spirit at Nacelle Bashan Gallery, takes its name from Robert Ferris Thompson's landmark 1984 book, examining the influence of West African aesthetics on the modern diaspora. Seeing the eight works in the show altogether is to see the development of Tunji's language as a painter. His large-scale works are inhabited by a cast of richly colored androgynous figures suspended against lush, compressed backgrounds, the forms echoing from one canvas to another. I'll be looking forward to his upcoming solo show, A Place to Belong, which will be at Hunter Harrison in London. I photographed Tunji in his Brooklyn studio surrounded by a new body of work, and you can see the portrait at williamjesslayer.com imageculture or on Instagram at William Jesslaird. Here I am with Tunji Adeni Jones. You said something to me that I thought was really interesting. We were talking about what you saw as the difference between painting in Britain mm-hmm. and painting here mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you, how do you categorize that? I mean, I'm really happy you brought that up, but I'm happy you remembered it because I think that was the first time I'd formulated those thoughts like mm-hmm. properly. Yeah. And I've been revisiting them now with this current body of work and it's this idea that you know since moving here my blackness has manifested in a slightly different way than it had done before you know partially because I'm also just growing up and maturing Mm -hmm. but the conversation around black bodies in America is very different to Europe and specifically like London Mm -hmm. the UK I mean that's pretty commonly known but when it comes to painting and the history of painting there's you know a long lineage of expressing figures and bodies in a very certain type of way in you know American history Mm -hmm. and I mean I just in my experience in the UK I didn't really see anything similar and then you know when I moved out here I was exposed to certain artists like Kerry James and Barclay Hendricks and Bob Thompson and the list kind of goes on but I kind of definitely didn't encounter them during my education in the UK and I didn't encounter that kind of form of expression of blackness when you were when you're at the Ruskin were you making work that looks like your work now no it absolutely wasn't it was it's hard to describe it was a lot more performative Mm -hmm. and I definitely didn't feel the need to present colored bodies Mm -hmm. or or something definitely not in this way Mm -hmm. And it was when I moved here that I was exposed to artists that had been doing that for a while mm-hmm. through all of these movements that happened in the late 20th century and that are still happening now. You know, there was never even really in the UK a black civil rights movement in the same to the same extent, you know. Yeah. So there weren't like artists expressing in that way or mm-hmm. painting in that way. And if they were, they were aligning themselves with what was happening here. Mm-hmm. And so it looked like what was happening here and it would have been grouped in with that. You must have kind of experienced it growing up too, you know? I mean, what like what was it like to you being black in the UK? Very very strange and confusing. <laughs> you know, like you, because... you said something that I that I read that I thought was really interesting that 
you tell people that you're from London because yes. you're born and raised in London. Yes. And you said, but they always want something more. Exactly. Like, it's affected me in ways that I'm still, you know, trying to work through because I think I was, I wouldn't necessarily, I had a resentment towards it, but I had a, a resistance to it. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas now, definitely if someone asks me where I'm from and then wants to know further, I'll tell them slightly more cordially than I would before. Right. And I think, you know, also back then I wasn't as ready to embrace my Nigerian background and heritage mm -hmm. as I am now. Also, there's a thing that's happening right now today where it's a lot cooler to be African now, mm -hmm. especially in London. It's very strange in like a very, very inspiring and comforting way. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. throughout my high school days and, you know, even before that preparatory school days, if you had uh, an African background, mm -hmm. you wouldn't really be talking about it in the way that, you know, now it's this, it's this thing, mm -hmm. you know, now it's really celebrated in a way that I'm happy about, but I didn't have that yeah. growing up and ni neither did my friends. You know, I had a couple of friends they were also from Nigeria or from Ghana, but born in the UK like me. And we would always have our own little circles where we would talk about our backgrounds in that way. And we would live out those experiences in that way. But now it's a much more shared thing, mm -hmm. you know, culturally, especially across the UK. Like in my high school, they have their first um, a student um, started up the I think it's just like a, an African society or something mm -hmm. like that. But it's this big deal, like in Harrow School, like that's never it's crazy. happened it's before. It's like the first one, right? It's the first yeah, one, right? Why. And if, when I was there, if someone had tried that, you know, like, God help the person that would have tried that uh -huh. purely because of the reaction that it would have incited. You know, people would have been like, why do you feel like this is needed? Or there would have been so many questions. Mm -hmm. And there would have been so many people saying that it's fine without it or even, you know, mm -hmm. that there's no need for it. But now there's just a different space around that kind of cultural background. So definitely if I was growing up in London now it would be different mm -hmm. it would be much different when I was about eight or nine I had a birthday party and my mom said we want you to um well you should have some drummers and dancers and you know and I was like no mom my friends won't like that yeah <laughs> and she yeah. was like that that does that's not the you got to do it you yeah, know this sure. is this is you this is your history and I was like they won't they won't like that now everyone <laughs> would be super into that like uh -huh. that's there's this thing like even in in popular culture and music you know afro beats and it's such a yeah for sure it's much more popular even now. fashion you know even I, fashion yeah. so i think it's funny that that eight-year-old me was like really desperately trying to suppress that part of myself so that's why going back to your initial question when people ask me you know but where are you really from i kind of would be resistant to go mm -hmm. into that because i wasn't so sure that it would maybe be accepted or the but, but now it's just it's this like you know well, expanding thing well that yeah that's kind of what i was getting at it's like it's interesting to me that that you would have kind of internalized those things in that way at such mm. a young age and would resist that mm. and then you know now it, obviously you've you've really embraced that and and draw a lot of work from it mm -hmm. when was that when did that shift happen for you that probably happened in undergrad um i took a few trips to lagos for it's it's always it's either always a um a wedding funeral or a birthday mm -hmm. but the ceremony is the same it's a lot of days of celebration and eating and dancing and festivity you took a trip to nigeria yeah mm -hmm. um i took a couple and my uncle who you've met mm -hmm. photographer of course he started he's because he's really plugged in with everyone there yeah. who makes any sort of art so he started taking me around you know and i 
was he seems to be plugged in everywhere he's so he's plugged in everywhere absolutely <laughs> yeah say. but but specifically there he was well i mean i think I, I would have a question and he'd be like of course i know this person right you know in a way that i was really just like blown away by when i shouldn't have been but mm-hmm. you know i was and so it was a great opportunity he introduced me to every last person i could want to meet there and i would have conversations with those nigerian artists like we're having now where i'd be like well you know which culture should i align myself with the most when mm-hmm. it comes to making work you know mm-hmm. should i say i'm nigerian you know i would ask them that and they'd be like you know you're fortunate enough to say that you're both mm-hmm. so you should really try and embrace that and make the most of that opportunity you know some of us either say we're one or the other but you get to say you're both and yeah that's a lot of what's happening now or what i'm trying to think through now is embracing that duality mm-hmm. embracing a lot of aspects about myself actually you know and embracing the fact that i am i am and have been very privileged in many ways to be doing what i'm doing and to have gone through the education that i've gone through my parents have worked so hard to put me through these systems mm-hmm. and so it's understanding that privilege and appreciating it too and you know that's also the same kind of privilege that comes with being like a british nigerian mm-hmm. being able to be a british nigerian artist you know it's a lot of that when did your parents come to the uk uh, must have been um, so separately actually they both came over for boarding school then my dad went over to Trinity Dublin to study medicine and my mother went to Paris to study law and then they came back here I mean I'm just getting confused they came back to the UK to the UK yeah <laughs> probably around the the 80s and so did they meet in the UK they met in the UK through my uncle actually oh wow yeah that's he, cool he met my mother first when you were in high school when did you start thinking about art? Um, or, or even earlier? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I had a really good teacher when I was... Yeah, I love these kinds of stories because there was just this one teacher I had when I was about 11 and she sat me down and she was like, you just need to take this a little bit more seriously. Right. And like, <laughs> you know, you'll really start enjoying it, you know, because she mm-hmm. could tell that I enjoyed doing it, but I wasn't really thinking about any kind of history or seriousness behind what I was doing. And mm-hmm. then she started introducing me to all these people like you know Roy Lichtenstein was one of the first mm-hmm. people she introduced me to Lichtenstein I, was, I swear That's and I was so like surprising and I me. was like wow this is amazing you know like <laughs> little 11 year old me I was like I love this and yeah. I mean I think you can still tell like I'm really into that kind of like flat graphic rendering of course yeah and yeah her name was is Bernadette Lavoie and she was like the really good teacher at that stage really kind of just like drilled me hard and pushed me through like keep drawing keep drawing keep doing this keep doing that that's one of the yeah one of the beauties of, of teaching for sure like that kind of experience was it always painting it was initially painting lots of drawing I could always draw better than I could paint I think mm-hmm. I'm still at that stage but it's mm-hmm. um I'm learning to embrace that too I think that that's that's fine <laughs> this is again talking about the the fortunate thing especially in the UK the art school funding mm-hmm. or the funding for art programs in these schools is just like so high mm-hmm. so in my high school we had three huge buildings it's like the opposite here it's the opposite yeah. here yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy we had three huge buildings just a plethora of every sort of supply you could want right you would just go up to the technicians and be like i want a canvas six by four pre-prime they'll just do it for you <laughs> little 15 year old kid just yeah. like yeah i want like five of these yeah and they'll just spoiled. do it for you. you i was spoiled thoroughly uh-huh. through that i mean i made the most of it but it was, it, I was spoiled through that. Mm-hmm. Endless oil paint, just like so much. Wow. And then even, I mean, that was better than what I had in undergrad. That was still pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And so having that kind of resource was really inspiring too. Because, I mean, it just gave me the, the space and freedom to try stuff. Um, Do you feel like you, your work changed very quickly when you moved on to Oxford, to the Ruskin? 
Yes, I kind of went into it with an air of seriousness, and you know, I was like, okay, this is this is serious now. Mm-hmm. And then I probably thought I knew a lot more than I did, as you know, most of us do at undergrad at times, you know. And then I was quickly humbled, which happened at Yale too, but that was more of a cultural shock. But at Oxford, I was quickly humbled, and it was a very academic program, so we had a lot of theory mm-hmm. that we had to read through, a lot of dense theory. What kind of stuff were you reading, or, or what what influenced you? We mostly looked at northeast american history actually for some reason you know we spent a lot of time talking about like smithson's work and things like that and robert morris and a lot of minimalist work in the mid 20th century autonomy and heteronomy yeah a lot of east coast american art history actually which really made it great when i moved over here because i had that kind of context Mm -hmm. and understanding of that history that history also is like incredibly white Mm -hmm. so that's also how i came over here without knowing about the artist i mentioned earlier so you, you really, you really, they weren't on your radar? At all. People like Kerry James Marshall, that no, you mentioned him, right? I did, yeah. And I mean, I'm told by people also that that's also the case here, you know. Like sometimes it's not just specifically there. You can be anywhere and, and these artists might not be on your radar for various reasons. But even at the Ruskin, I mean, you could say it's on the students to, you know, do their research. But also these aren't the people we were talking about or... You know, I'm sure like, you know, David Hammonds would appear once, mm-hmm. but it's, it was specific people like mm-hmm. Bob Thompson, him in particular with the colorful bodies, but also like Kerry James and Barclay Hendricks that when I came over here and I was exposed to it, I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's really, that's really surprising to me. I mean, it kind of, it kind of says a lot, I guess, about the way yeah. our, about the way these, these departments are structured because yes. you think of them as being foundational American artists at this point, right? I, I mean, I definitely would. Yeah. But then also, yeah, it's, 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 incredi- it's incredibly complicated because I even feel like if I was exposed to them there and then I would have still been in the UK mm-hmm. and I would have still been within that frame of mind where I maybe wouldn't have been as receptive to their work as I was when I moved here. Mm-hmm. You know, everything changed for me when I came here and when I got to New Haven and I had to wear a Yale hat because people were looking at me funny, you know, so I had to justify my presence there with a Yale hat for the first few weeks. Really? Absolutely. Wow. New Haven's a crazy place. Uh-huh. Um, and so, I mean, most recently there was this uh, girl that was sleeping in the library and someone called the police on her. Did you read about that? No. There was a graduate student sleeping in her like dormitory reading room and then she was black and then someone saw her and called the campus security like there's someone sleeping here who shouldn't be here. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, if you're just, you know, and this is me coming from London where people don't look twice at me if I'm this, that, or that, you know, because I try and dress a certain type of way that will divert that attention. Right. And then I move here and that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 you know, it's the color of your skin. And so that being in that energy and having that charge around my personality for the first time in a space that I'm living um, was really quite something. And it affected my work, definitely. You know, I think that's what you, one of the first things you asked me. It really, it's why I'm painting the way I'm painting now. Right. It's why you have all these bodies that are just like, not black, but they're, they're colored, you know, and they're all trying to, they're all moving, they're, they're vibrating, they're kind of like pulsating and there's a lot of energy mm-hmm. that they're giving out and that's like coming in on them too. And there's a lot of give and pull and push and pull. And mm-hmm. I think that's very specific to what I've you know been experiencing since I moved here. Yeah. And yeah, the exciting thing about that for me too is then to see where that goes as I move anywhere else, you know. You mean how how how, how that changes? Will affect yeah, the work? exactly. How that will change and develop. So this is like one period where this is happening, and then if I move anywhere, you know, like I wouldn't mind living in California for a short while. 
you know that would be interesting like and i'm sure the paintings would change yeah too. absolutely i'm like guaranteed so when did you read flash of the spirit flash of the spirit um there was a show at the met in 2016 i think or 2015 where they'd uncovered some nigerian sculptures mm -hmm. like some some additional ones to their already incredible collection and they had the flash of the spirit at the bookstore so I went and picked it up because it had this really awesome cover with the mask on it. So I was drawn to this that. Is this your copy? Yeah. <laughs> this, is the, this is the copy. It's a great <laughs> this copy. Is, this is the copy. And so this one um, I picked up and then I started reading and it just kind of steamrolled from there. This idea that my own, specifically my history, lineage, culture, mm -hmm. my tribe inheritance has such a multitude of mythology and creativity and, and color and all of these things you know these things that i would attribute to ancient roman greece for example mm -hmm. that i wouldn't think that necessarily the levels of sophistication or depth were like rivaled if not overtaken by my background mm -hmm. you know it was really it was really enlightening i actually yeah i gave it i gave it to my mom to read last year too and she found it quite interesting I don't she, think, she didn't have the same reaction to me what was her reaction I, she was much more skeptical of everything really really yeah In yeah i mean because of course this isn't really news to her yeah so yeah. you know she's she, brought, grew, up she's, it, she right? grew up with it yeah. so so here's some man trying to tell her about some things you know mm -hmm. and you know some of the stuff she agrees with some of the stuff she doesn't whereas for me and i told her this i was like i don't i didn't have this you mm -hmm. know I didn't grow up in this space, so this is so important. Like every bit of it, you know, there are certain bits that are, you know, maybe more problematic than others. And I'm like, I need to take it all in. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to have every single, every problem, every inspiring sort of uplifting aspect of it too. What kind of what kind of bits are you talking about? So, like, what does she, what does she take issue with? I mean, my mother's a very spiritual person and there are lots of mentions of demons and the devil and uh -huh. demonic practices, mm -hmm. you know, uh, certain tribes that uh, are like essentially death tribes mm -hmm. or death cults. And she'll be like, you know, stay clear from that. That's yeah. not, you don't want that kind of energy around you. And I'm sure. like, I'm like, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, but also it's important that I know about it. These are all things that I need to know about because, you know, when she's growing up, she'll hear someone talking about how you shouldn't go here or you know be interested in this or that and i'm like i don't have any context for that right so i need to have an understanding of it all um yeah and i also i suppose you're also you're putting it all to use you know what i mean so there's something kind of practical about that knowledge for you i mean right absolutely like i this is it's kind of a funny question but it, i i found it interesting in thinking about how urban culture is coming up in your work mm -hmm. like who are the bodies in your in your work like who what figures do you see them as being does so, that make sense it, no no it does um people were asking me this last year in school also mm -hmm. and then um at that point i really didn't have an answer i still don't but i kind of know how i want to feel in relation to them more so now, mm -hmm. especially after speaking to Remy recently. Yeah. Um, I kind of want them to be, this is going to sound strange, but I kind of want them to be like siblings. Siblings. <laughs> yeah, so I'm an only child. Well, there there was, what was it? There, there, there was a painting in, in the show that is that has siblings in the title, isn't there? Yeah, twins. Twins, exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the twins yeah. and doubling is a big 
big cultural signifier in in Yoruba history and all of like West African history, mm-hmm. like the twins. It's a very like powerful implication actually like mm-hmm. what's believed that these two bodies share a brain and mm-hmm. share a, not share a brain but share like a spirit mm-hmm. um and you are an only child and i am an said. only child as i said <laughs> so here i am by myself with all of these bodies dancing around me and it feels like company and uh-huh. it's great and it's only recently that i've decided that that's how i want to relate to them mm-hmm. or how i want to feel like they relate to each other and to me as the maker as siblings yes how do you begin a painting uh, lots of drawing, like you can see on the walls here. So, um, drawings, whoops, in the moleskin, and then drawings with some pen, and then also etchings and prints, and lots and lots of drawings. So really, the forms that appear in the in the larger works, like have I've, been, I've repeated them over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I won't really jump to that scale until I've done it enough times that I feel like comfortable and confident enough to do that. Yeah, so the hands and feet, right, are all exactly the same. And sometimes I'll kind of, like, find a new way to do a hand, Mm -hmm. and I'll really like that new way of doing a hand, so you'll just, like, see it repeat. So all of the hands in these ones, actually, you... It's a form that, like, wouldn't have been in the show back in November. Mm -hmm. Um, The feet probably are a bit similar, but it's, it's like, yeah, it's my pleasure. The pleasure that I derive from actually rendering the form, that's... I'll just, like, keep keep doing it you know? so it's kind of like incremental change and yes like, absolutely yeah. yeah do you remember the first do you remember the first work that you made that was like within this language did that happen at Yale yes it did and it was directly in response to like I would say again Bob Thompson you know Bob Thompson's paintings right? yeah sure yeah though but those they really blew me away man. wow they're because they're just like these bright red yellow blue people mm-hmm. in like the forest just dancing around and that's the kind of landscape painting that I'm used to seeing in, in European art history. But mm-hmm. obviously it's all like white people in like right. British countrysides doing that kind of stuff. But here we have like fantastical people flying around that aren't necessarily from any culture or time, mm-hmm. um, aren't necessarily black or white. They're all of the above. And it's just like this beautiful mixture of everything. And so, yeah, I made this painting of these two figures that were just bright orange on a green background. One was kind of crouching over the other. And it was, um, I think it was uh, Orange Spirits Seeking mm-hmm. Shelter. Who showed you Bob Thompson? So, um, one of the best parts about grad school was the, the faculty and the, the studio visits we would have. Mm-hmm. And so one of the faculty members, Sam Messer, who just knows everything about all artists like every like across across the world and so he came through and said you you should look at Bob Thompson you'd really like him Mm -hmm. just like really quickly and almost dismissively it's like you'll probably quite like him um (laughs) and he knew you know he didn't know what he was doing no no I think he did but he was being like you know he's kind of playing it down he knew damn well that I would lose my mind at it Uh um and and yeah he showed me Bob Thompson he also got me into the print shop kind of advised that monotype printmaking would help too so that's where that one came from and then i don't know if you saw the other prints that were like i've seen other prints of yours yeah that that came from the same space too it's just like a block of color and then Mm -hmm. this figure that's kind of also in that so we we should we should talk about we should talk about yale because like i mean it is it is pretty crazy that you that you get there and then your style changes so dramatically and it seems like that's really lasted Mm mm-hmm so who who else were the who else were the important people for you there? Um, classmates, 
mm-hmm. classmates, I think almost everyone in my class, um, through the people that were painting and then also the people that weren't, the people that I just spent a lot of time with just talking about other stuff. Mm-hmm. There were three or four people who, you know, I would always just be in their studio talking about stuff and they would teach me things, mm-hmm. you know, and I would hope that I could give something in return. But I really like Lunk quite a lot. Yale definitely has a kind of style or stylization, like, or, or just a taste, I guess, you know. Like I helped, we all, there's a, there's a point where we all get the opportunity to help with interviews and applications. Mm-hmm. And you get to see, you know, what the faculty and the program is into or isn't. And there's definitely a taste, you mm-hmm. know. There's definitely uh, a style that gets cycled through and it, it, it just keeps going. And so I think I just tapped into that and have come up with my own sort of interpretation of it. What was your first crit like? Oh man, it was, <laughs> it was a, it was a mess. Um, people did not know how to deal with me because, because I think initially, even through the work, a lot of people didn't, the faculty that were there that were critiquing didn't really understand that I was British. So my angle, the angle that I was coming from with the work was completely different. So people were talking about the work in, in like, as if I was American or something. And I didn't know how to respond to that because it was the first time it had happened. So I was kind of just agreeing. You know? right. I was kind of just like, yeah, yeah, I am thinking about that. And like, then, what, like what sort of things would they say? Um, so I made, I, I put this mask piece. I had a whole selection of those. And then one faculty member came over and sort of was talking about them. And he was like, you know, this just looks like, uh, you know, it's, it's like minimalism. He was referencing American artists and, and sort of like a response that I would have made if I was American, right? Mm-hmm. Not understanding that actually it's, it was more about me dealing directly with my Nigerian background, not even thinking about minimalism in the least bit, but mm-hmm. just thinking about like mask making and that practice, mm-hmm. West African sculptural practice. But I couldn't say that. And I mean, I just had to go along with it. I had to be like, yeah, yeah, I am thinking about just that. Just because you're intimidated? Because I was intimidated. But then other people were speaking up being like, no, I don't think that is what he's interested in. You know? <laughs> other people were like, no, but you know, he's English. Like, I don't think that is what he's talking about. And so it was a lot of deflection. And actually that's, that kind of repeated throughout my time there. Once I started making these, these paintings, so it became like a very formal discussion about you know, the way the paint is applied and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it was never quite about the content. It was heavily formal, which is good though, because I helped me get better. Yeah. You know, like I, I wanted to and still want to keep getting better always. So a formal discussion is fine with me if it's going to like help improve the paintings. So it's almost like the faculty kind of had that formal element and it was more the students that had everything else. That kind for, of for us for our year because it switches and changes and well no I'm yeah. talking about your experience oh my experience yeah. yes absolutely and that was the same with a lot of my classmates too but mm-hmm. um you know the crits yeah I mean I've told you about them you've heard about them they it changes it's a it's a gladiators arena it's kind, it's kind of, of notorious it's, it's yeah. a very intimidating space I mean we should describe we should describe the Yale crit room I mean okay so it's a pit literally it's, it's called it's called the pit it's it's literally a pit and it has there's basically no ceiling you know uh-huh. it's like the highest it's like a 40 foot wall 40 foot wall that you know none of us are ever really going to like put work in that kind of space again or at mm-hmm. least you, you know it's really daunting in that respect yeah where we should expect like slightly more yeah just lower ceilings man <laughs> and so, and so when and so suddenly like when you put your painting there it's just like this grand this grand presentation of, of everything it's mm-hmm. this grand spectacle and with that spectacle comes you know 
the critique and the you know if if you you were lucky and you you were fortunate if you know we actually spoke about the content mm-hmm. and like what was happening you know you were unfortunate if we were talking about start talking about the way the work is installed or lighting or you know small things that would seem you know insignificant but in that space suddenly become such a big contributor to the way the work's received you know and you're mm-hmm. sitting there for an hour talking about it so people are gonna pick at every tiny little thing how uh, how many how many people are in a crit uh, it varies so it's the whole painting program which is um you know there are about 40 of us i think and then i mean it changes give or take like four and then also faculty they're mm-hmm. like four or five faculty and then friends are allowed to come too um they're not allowed to speak though only only painting only painting students and faculty are allowed to speak but you can invite whoever else you want um so yeah and usually people from sculpture come um graphic design photography the other the other departments in the school of art and yeah honestly honestly in retrospect it's funny how worked up we all got for them mm-hmm. you know it wasn't it's, it was all part of it because it seemed like it was all that mattered at the time mm-hmm. Now a year later, it seems a bit, um, you know, it seems it seems like we we were and are fine, you know, mm-hmm. like it it would it would have been fine and it it will be fine, regardless. Who's uh, were there other students whose work you felt a real kinship to, um, either formally or or within content? Uh, yes, I'm trying to think about which way to go about this first. Okay, work wise, there was. Alex Jackson, mm-hmm. painter, really good painter. He um, really helped me figure some stuff out with color. Like really, really just like sat me down and got me thinking about color differently in a way that I wasn't really contemplating before. In what sense? Um, just the idea that, you know, like if you put uh, like a blue down and then put like a purple over it, it'll look really nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it seems simple, but my brain just, I couldn't, you know, and in terms of like executing it, and right obviously exa- very right. important considering ex- the blue ex- and purple paintings that we're surrounded by exactly yeah right but it really it's like i had to like fine-tune something in my brain mm-hmm. to kind of figure that out because i wasn't really thinking about mixing color that way um i mean i'm not really a colorist like that i'm, I'm like a drawer it's usually like the way i'm thinking about these paintings is always through the line first mm-hmm. so like the color comes secondary so it, it has to be like on point you know mm-hmm. so that it doesn't just seem like I'm filling in or something. Um, so yeah, he really helped me with that. There was Josephine Messer, Sam Messer's daughter. She also helped me with a bunch of stuff. And like generally, and so I, I still, I'm still in contact with these people Yeah. now. And so that's what I mean also. It's just like I feel beyond the work that these are just like connections that I made with people that are really valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most, most people in the program, frankly. We spent a lot of time together in that building and it can either drive you crazy or, you know, really get build relationships and build like good relationships what was your graduation like (laughs) um well i had food poisoning really i had food poisoning um (laughs) and i had my mother had shipped over you know maybe 10 or 11 or so family members you know i had a i had a cousin from nigeria come all the way Uh to new haven it was crazy and and i was busy throwing up like in the college nearby <laughs> while Stevie Wonder is giving accepting his honorary degree or something it was God surreal damn. to say the least it was yeah. completely surreal I didn't know Stevie Wonder got an honorary degree oh yes yeah. Stevie cool. and did he speak uh I can't remember I was being sick no oh, um it was surreal and a very like fitting end to what had been a pr- pretty crazy 
two years, I'd say. Yeah, it was bizarre. I just, I don't know, I had some dodgy food the night before and then there had been all these end of department thesis show parties mm-hmm. the days before too. I think I was just spent. And You're burnt out. I was just burnt out. But yeah, it was, it was really nice. And then fortunately I got to move into a studio right away with um, some classmates, Alex Jackson again, Gerald Sheffield, and then um, a few other people. And they saved me actually with that move because I really didn't have anywhere to go before moving down here. Mm-hmm. And I kind of needed to take over and keep working in some space. Mm-hmm. So that was really helpful. And since then it's kind of been, yeah, nonstop till now. What about your move to New York? I mean, what does it feel like to make work here now? It's the first time you've lived in the city, right? Yeah, surprisingly. And you've it, talked about it with, with me, it, with yeah. kind of some reverence, like some special reverence. Yeah, surprisingly, um, I've been able to just keep keep on in a constant. And it's just, I think, you know, I think it's getting a bit better too. I think the work's getting stronger. Mm-hmm. And I thought the shift and drastic kind of change in environment, you know, all this new energy mm-hmm. would affect would affect the work maybe to, to my detriment. Mm-hmm. Like that maybe I would have been a bit too stressed out or something. But I've really just been able to work through it like quite effectively. And despite the rush that I'm now in and the fact that I'm just running around everywhere all the time, um, it's, I have a lot of patience still here. And it's, and yeah, I'm really happy with the way the work's going. Do you find that you see a lot of art in New York or do you find that you're more kind of on your own planet? I'm definitely on my own planet. Uh-huh. But I like that when I want to see a lot of work, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are always doing things too. So that's nice. I like the access. I like being able to just go up to the Met if if I want. It's also, it also has a really good bookstore, the Met. The Met? Yeah. Is really that your book. museum? Is that your New York museum of choice? I really like the bookstore, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about the museum generally, but I'll go there and just buy a book there that's like, you know, $80 online from Amazon or something. Because uh-huh. it'll be cheaper in the Met bookstore. Well, there you go. It's yeah. like, like a practical, yeah. Yeah. practical lesson. That's, that's really, yeah, that's really been enjoyable. But definitely on my own planet, like like you just said, um, in a way that's taken a good few months to figure out, um, like the best way to navigate my routines and everything. What's, um, what's the last great thing you saw? Uh, David Hockney, man. Oh yeah. Pace Gallery. Oh, let's, that oh. was, that was an excellent show. Yeah. And he was there too. I was too shy to go up and say hi. Hockney was there? Yeah. But he was there. He was like swamped and <laughs> he's incredibly old. So I don't know how he did it. Just in, like, you're talking about the show at Pace? Yes. Did you also see the, the show at the Met? I saw it twice. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I saw it twice. Uh, so the reason I had to pause is because that was the best thing I'd seen since this other Hockney show. Mm-hmm. So it's like it just took its place. Was Hockney an important person to you? Yeah, Hockney and Freud and Bacon. But there we go, like three white male painters, you mm-hmm. know. So mm-hmm. you see, like, I, I didn't even have an awareness of that as being a thing when mm-hmm. I was there. I wasn't right. thinking about it that way. I was like, I like these guys. I like their paintings a lot. Right. I love Lucian Freud's paintings. But, you know, I've moved over here and I've realized that the, the sort of history I was wrapping myself up in and, like, the painters I was looking at and really, really, like, admiring was just a very specific kind. Mm-hmm. So that's why this, I put so much stress on the introduction to, like, Kerry James and people like that. Mm-hmm. Because I was really into their, like, British white counterparts, right. you know. Well, it's interesting because I actually, I've, I've always had this as a little pet theory I think there's just such an intimate connection between Kerry James Marshall and David Hockney. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think it's it's something in the. You'll have to bear with me because you have a much stronger understanding of like formal painting. Right. But I think there's something in the way that that both both their works feel super super 
uh, deep, like they really recede in space, mm-hmm. but at the same time, every surface is rendered in like a flat plane of color. It's incredibly hard to do. It's, it seems <laughs> so like a really, really hard thing to On do. On top of yeah. all of that, they're painting in acrylic, man. Yeah. You know, it's so hard. To, acrylic is not forgiving, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's... Well, you can't rework it, right? Yeah, and it's, it's such a such a quick fast medium like it doesn't you know oil you can kind of mess up but if you get the color right it will be like really you know do you paint with oil yes why is that uh, because for now it's <laughs> more forgiving you know and i'll look at i'll look at um you know i tried some acrylic paintings and this was before before yale mm-hmm. and i'm just much happier with the way the oil's working mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's incredibly hard to paint with acrylic the way that they paint with acrylic mm-hmm. they kind of they put their own mark on medium for sure mm-hmm. especially Kerry james with that show at the broyer like oh my it's, god it's like how that show that is doesn't it's it's amazing. the medium is becoming something else at that point the acrylic paint is becoming something else and Hockney definitely does the same thing mm-hmm. you're right um to the point where i often think his paintings are done in oil but they're not there might be some I, there there's almost i feel like there's a kind of a surface quality to acrylic paint that's mm-hmm. like almost like uh like I said, I don't I don't know how to characterize these things. Well, I mean, painter. it's plasticky. It's like, it is. It has yeah, like yeah, it has like a it plasticky has a plasticity thing. to it that is sometimes like undesirable. Mm-hmm. But if it can be worked the right way, it can do whatever they make it do, and it looks like magic. It's like, how are you doing that? Well, it's just like seeing Carrie James Marshall paint a lemon. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's just like, goddamn, you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's it's the it is the same thing. It's the same thing with Hockney. I it's mean, true. You know, I my favorite of those of those paintings are those big double portraits. They were so good. Yeah, that was like so good. That was the a details in all of those. Mm-hmm. So good. I mean, Hockney's a good one because you know he he moved over here mm-hmm. and really like I want to say like discovered himself or whatever. But he had a good experience in America. America was very kind to him and good to him. Yeah, and like he was very happy to have been here and painted here when he did and like I mean I'm pretty sure he's just like permanently relocated back in the UK mm-hmm. but the the good thing about that retrospective is you got to see how the work just like flourished oh yeah this context you know mm-hmm. it was out in like all those famous paintings out in um, California you mm-hmm. know and when you trace the whole the way that the work's gone it's like yeah you really see that that the change in context you know in location and you know he was able to fully come into his his identity his sexual orientation everything and just be in this space that was like bolstering everything mm-hmm. you know i also do you remember that first room in the met show yes where it was like all the kind of failed attempts at but like there was that one with the magician painting do you see that one which one is that well like the sorry the hypnot there was like a hypnosis one you remember that there's like it's it's the weirdest thing I've These ever seen. It's like in art school. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's I this th- it's this weird yeah, it's he's got these two guys, this long like curtain and then there's this one guy like pointing mm-hmm. pointing like hypnosis beams at another guy. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. Well there's that room is so crazy because it's kind of like this week I'm gonna paint a you know, neo expressionist painting mm-hmm. and this week I'm gonna do something that's kinda like Jasper Johns Absolutely. and like you know, and they're all sort of feel like um you can see how how talented he is mm-hmm. but at the same time they're kind of like they're just not they're not like david hockney paintings you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? or not yet mm-hmm. i thought it was kind of fascinating to see those it's like uh like yeah it's like trying things on for size it's, yeah. it's like an, it's a complete privilege to be able to see those kinds of works it's like 
especially when an artist of his caliber reaches this sort of stage, it's like that's a very private and personal experience mm -hmm. that he's been through. So, so to share that is very, very generous. It's probably like reassuring as a painter to be like... That's what I mean. Yeah. That is what this I'm saying. This wasn't birthed in that's a day. That's what I'm saying. It's a privilege and it's like very, it's very generous mm -hmm. of that to be shown, like for sure. Like the early, early, early stuff. It's like, yeah, man, like everyone was messing around at some point. Mm -hmm. Like trying to make a Jasper John's painting or something, you know, yeah. or like a, everyone was doing that. <laughs> Have you made you a just... Jasper John's painting? No, I did try and make some Pollock paintings when I was like 17. Some Pollock paintings? Yeah, yeah. Are they, do, you, do you have any of them? Do you have any of those early? Yeah, my teacher made me burn them or something. <laughs> like, I don't, like, no way. Like, he came in and was like, what are you doing? It's <laughs> like, I mean, you can see what I'm doing, man. Like, Splattering this paint. Yeah, you can see what I'm doing. Yeah. That was, that was before the Ruskin. That was really funny. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was sort of like, I had to quickly sharpen up at various intervals. Like, when I moved out here and when I started the Ruskin, I had to, like, fix up my, my brain a bit and be like, okay, no, no, okay. There's a time and place for that. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't try and remake a public painting or something. Or don't know, you know. What about the, uh, what about the late works on like iPads? What do you think about those? Don't really like them much. <laughs> <laughs> don't really like them too much. But I do really like the, the similar sort of landscape orientated just paintings that are just normal paintings, mm -hmm. right? Like I like the scenery that he did them on. But I think, okay, I think it's cool because... For him, he's like, whoa, this is crazy. I can do this, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't really talk down on that because it's like, you know, dude's like 80 something. Okay, I don't know what the world's gonna be like when we're 80 something. Mm -hmm. And there's gonna be, if there is ever the equivalent, I'm gonna be down. Yeah, know? like some 3D uh, rendering, yeah, 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 yeah. like live. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. like say you can make a space where you're like yeah. in there with these things. I'd sure. be like, yes, uh -huh. 100%. No matter how low res it is. No matter how low res. <laughs> Guy's been painting all his life, he can he can do that. He yeah, can... it says something more about his personality and his, and his yeah. like I think, I think the, like the fact that he made those iPad paintings makes the work with like photo montage so much more interesting to me. Absolutely, it, it's it shows the same kind of spirit. You Absolutely, know? and I do really really like those photo montages. Mm -hmm. So um, you made a couple photo montages at one point, didn't you? This is the Ruskin work. Yeah, yeah. yeah this I is know. the work before I moved out here. Yeah, there's articles was, floating online, my friend. Those are. I actually really like those. I like them too. I actually really like those. How those kind of be? Those were me. Um, so I would. I made these masks out of Dutch wax fabric and like some sort of paper mache thing. I would put them on. I would dance around in African fabric mm -hmm. and then I made myself, I like carved down a little spear and I made a shield and I would dance around and I would do all these performances and then I would cut it up and then make a collage out of it mm -hmm. to kind of tell the story, superimpose alongside other imagery from Nigeria that is uh, from a book that my grandma gave me. Mm -hmm. And it was really just like as clear as it could be me trying to say like, I'm from here. This is how I feel about it. You know, like mm -hmm. this is me here, here, here. This is like the history of this place. This is my relation to this, that, that, and that. And this is my sentiments. And I mean, to an extent, the figures performing and moving around is still very present in the work, mm -hmm. but I've just completely removed like my literal self from yeah. it. Um, and also, yeah, that imagery. I mean, I wasn't taking my own Im images. So I wasn't using my own images. So at that point, I don't know. I, I think, you know, people can get into all sorts of things for recycling images sometimes, no? 
You mean you mean like you you mean just like practically or Yeah, I just didn't want to have to like start thinking about that. After you were a while. you were afraid of of poking the appropriation bear a, a, a little bit, even though it's my <laughs> culture. Like, <laughs> a little, no, seriously, these are sure. things I was thinking about, and then I was like, you know, maybe not. And I made maybe four or five of them. They're really big too. The collages, mm-hmm. they're really big. So I just thought I'd let them be on their own. Do you think about moving into any other mediums? I mean, I know for a fact, like we've said, you know, wherever I move to next, the work's going, it's going to change. Mm-hmm. And also, I also know for a fact that, you know, like in 10, 15 years from now, the work's going to be really different. Right. And I don't know how or why, but I just know, I mean, I'm sorry, I know why. I don't know in what way. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of just going to let that happen. You know, I'm really excited by the idea. Um, these figures in this frame reacting to it this way with this kind of composition will change. Mm-hmm. So I, I look forward to seeing whatever comes of it. You talked about California before. Yeah. What's, what's so your I went, conception I went of that? to stay with a friend, uh, Wesley. He's from my program too. Mm-hmm. Another, another one of my kin. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's from there. I went to stay with him for a little bit and I'd never been. And I was just really like, recently. really recently. I loved it out there. It's so nice. Were you in Los Angeles? Yeah, East LA, Boyle Heights. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. <laughs> it was it was really nice, man. I was just like, and also, I mean, I'm I'm a little shit about it. I don't drive, so he was driving me around everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really good, and we spent a lot of time with his family. He has like his whole family there, like they're like four different houses with aunts and uncles and grandmas and stuff. So I was a, I saw that side of it too, and then we went to the arts district, and then I, we went to that house and worth which is just crazy. That space. With the herb garden and yeah. the restaurant yeah, and yeah. the courtyard. <laughs> it's insane. But I'm also really into it. I'm into like all of, I'm into it. I really like it. And yeah. so, and I felt that same way when I first came to New York for, you know, the same relative reasons, you mm-hmm. know, back in like 2013 mm-hmm. when I first got here, I was like, wow. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> you know, this is like so much more interesting than London in every single way just because it was different but you do and see so, yourself going back right I mean going back you've, you've talked to me about that before without a doubt mm-hmm. absolutely like, definitely why is that so definite in your mind because I feel like I need to resolve resolve everything that we were talking about at the start of this podcast right. with regards to you know how I felt about growing up in London and being asked like, where are you really from and da, right. da, da. you know I don't really have answers to these mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to figure them out and so I think that just really needs to be resolved like I need to spend the rest of my life there to like to seal that off because mm-hmm. it's 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 changing quite drastically now my sentiments I'm becoming a bit more open about all of these things my perspective is growing also too you know I'm meeting some great people but yeah, I kind of want to round that whole thing off. And I think I need to be there to do that. You yeah. know, I really, I really think I do. Tunji, thank you so much. Thank you, man. I'd like to thank Tunji Denny jones as well as the team at Nacelle Bashan Gallery. This show is produced by Sarah Levine and our music is by Jack and Eliza. Remember to see my portrait of Tunji in his studio at williamjesslaird.com slash imageculture or on Instagram at williamjesslaird or at imageculture. Thanks so much for listening.